As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. We're back with another episode. We're back with another episode of Brit Says Season 2. And it's Sunday. I'm just feeling elated. My Sundays are my most productive days. I'm usually like, what's up, what's up? And I had a crazy week prior. It's a lot of stuff going on, y'all. And it's a lot of stuff going on. And... Now it's time for Brit Says. Brit Says is my zen. And I don't want to focus on nothing else but that. But besides that, you know, it's just been a hot week. Very hot. Like, heat wave type. Definitely, definitely need to find my way to the beach soon. Like, ASAP. I know y'all watching this in, what, September October. So, y'all like, she talking about the beach? Yes, I am. This is all pre-recorded for your entertainment. And, yeah, I'm just like... What's up? What's up? Wait, is my phone ringing? Hey, Britt, I'm coming over. What? Yeah, I'm coming over. Fine, I'll have the wine. Guess I'm having company. So I have company. I have Dina. Podcast. So I told y'all I was looking up this podcast for me. And I'm Dina and I'm just like, oh, we've been chatting up for me out here. And I just love her personality. Always been a goal of mine, kind of to like appease everybody and make everybody comfortable and make sure that I'm good with everybody. And I was hit with this realization that listen, I'm not for everybody and not everybody is for me, and that's okay. Like, I feel like we live in a world where we're not okay with not being liked or being accepted. And it's a part of life. So once you get comfortable with it and own it, it just goes by so much smoother. And it hit me like, nope, that's the name of my podcast. And it's just been fun with no problems. Very free. I'm a potty mouth. Yeah. <laughs> and what's your social handles? My social handle, so my Instagram is not for everybody podcast. My Twitter is not for everybody one, I think, because I don't use Twitter as much. Like a lot of people and a lot of podcasts will say that Twitter and Instagram are the places to be. Mm -hmm. 
I just find a hard time with really being on Twitter because I feel like that's a whole day commitment. Yeah, I've, I've tried with Twitter too. Like, yeah. I have a Twitter and I, I try to go on it too. Mm-hmm. It, is, it is hard. You have to be constantly like posting, I think, in order to engage your audience on there mm-hmm. as to where Instagram, it's not needed as much. Like right. you can throw a couple of posts in one day and not post anything for like two or three days without losing anybody's right. interest. I feel like with Twitter, if you're not talking, it's like they either unfollow you or they're muting you. <laughs> right, so right, right. I'm not really familiar with that name, but we can always add that a later time. <laughs> right. You can like somebody's pictures on Instagram and they can right. still be active. Exactly. Like, exactly. So I get it with Twitter. Yeah, I so I don't know. I don't know how people are on there all the time. Like they speak so highly of them. I'm just like, like wow. I don't yeah. <laughs> okay. Yes. So this episode's called Life After Your Third. <laughs> and you know, before every episode, we expand our minds. Expand your mind, expand your mind, expand your mind. So we grab a topic from an article. So an article written on scarymommy.com mm-hmm. titled this is Life in Your 30s, written by Saida Shabazz. She stated, I have never dreaded anything more than I dreaded turning 30. Society has always placed such a large amount of pressure on turning 30 that every second I got closer to it fills me with a feeling of overwhelming angst. We have been made to feel that by 30, we're supposed to have our shit together. 30 means that you're an adult and you need to have it all figured out. Of course, once you turn 30, you realize how laughable that is. But before you get there, this is what you're made to believe. She then writes, something slowly started to shift during my 30th year. I don't know what it was exactly, but somewhere in there, my give a fuck valve broke. I was fresh out of fucks. I no longer cared about a lot of things I cared about in my 20s. If I wanted to wear leggings covered in unicorns, I fucking did it. I also started (laughs) to feel more comfortable about getting older, and I was just like, bring it on. So... Dina, you want to tell them? Okay, so I am 41 with a 21-year-old. Doesn't she look amazing? <laughs> Literally, let me tell y'all a backstory. Before I wrote one, I had both of them a whole other episode. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I just want to let you know I'm 41 and I have a 21-year-old child. I said, perfect. God is working in my favor. Yeah, I am what I'm blessed. For. I am so blessed that I have amazing genes and... So listening to this, let's just get into this really quickly. So where she said that we're made to feel 30. So for me, when I turned 30, the only social media that was really out there, I would like to say, was maybe MySpace. Okay. And Facebook, maybe. But the amount of... That was my shit. Right. I was so upset. Like, MySpace, oh my gosh. But... The pressures that I feel like your generation is facing now because there's social media everything. You see all these posts, you see everybody living these lives at 20, 30, popping champagne and all these other celebratory things. I feel like there's a lot more pressure where that's where anxiety and depression are on our rise now because we're so consumed by what everybody else was doing. When I turned 30, I was just like, whatever. Like, I didn't have the same thoughts that I had when I hit 40. So where she was at at 30, as far as like her not giving a fuck, that didn't hit for me until 
my 39th. Like when I was 39, I really started looking into things. So a lot of people, like some of my close friends know, but a lot of people who know me know me don't know, but I was more on like a spiritual path at that time. Okay. Just in a place of trying to like find myself, reflect on my growth, coming self-aware because I was not self-aware. I say that now with confidence before I would be like, fuck y'all, like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. But now I'm in a space of saying that I wasn't solely self-aware then. Mm -hmm. So around in my when I was 39, I started getting into more self-awareness, spirituality, <clears throat> just trying to find like me. But when 40 hit, it's like midnight. I don't know what it is because a friend of mine was just on my show recently and she said the same thing when she hit 40. It's like, boom, you wake up at 40 like, I don't give a fuck about how you feel, how you feel like, you feel the shift. It's a feeling like you can't explain. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was like a life event that also hit me at 41, mm -hmm. that it was just like, life is way too short for the fuck me. Mm -hmm. Like, it's okay to shift from who you were. It's not okay for us to stay where we always have been. I feel that's a form of being stagnant. Mm -hmm. It's okay for you to grow. And you need to be around people who are going to embrace that and support you. If you don't have a team that's there to be like, girl, you're doing this and you're doing that, and that shouldn't cute, especially for your age, like, you can do better in this area. If your friends, your family, anyone that's close to you is not supporting you mm -hmm. in that area, instead they're trying to kind of bring you back to who you used to be, you may have to cut them. And it's okay to let them go. We have this thing where it's like, if it's a family member, it's just like you're supposed to swallow it. Yeah. Family is not an exception to the rule. If family is negative, if they're not uplifting you and holding you down in the direction that you want to go, you can love them, but you gotta love them from a distance. Your interaction with them is a little bit different. So, what I appreciate and value with you guys is that you guys are learning younger. You're using your voice more. You're standing up for yourselves more. That's so. You're going in a direction that maybe a lot of 30 and 40 year olds wish they had them back then. Like, I wish I was more vocal and vulnerable with my feelings because I would know to establish boundaries with family, relationships, friends, all of that. I'm thankful that it's happened now because it's a new. It's a new era for me, like a new life. So I'm able to move on in life in a different path as a different person, but being comfortable with who I am and not so much caring what that looks like to other people. That makes sense. It's funny you say that because I was having a conversation with one of my friends and I was like, I feel like, like I can't, I know like one of the, she's 50, and mm -hmm. I was just saying how like, with millennials, I don't know what's wrong with us. Like, I feel like we just speak on everything now. Mm -hmm. Like, we came in this phase where we just like want to speak on everything. Like, with me too, mm -hmm. the cops being a um, black man. Like, we just was like, I don't like it, and I'm gonna say so everything we don't like. We literally will say something about it. Like, mm -hmm. anything we don't like is gonna be a problem. You're gonna get canceled culture. Like, it's gonna happen. It's definitely gonna happen. And then I, when I emailed her. I told her, I was like, that's perfect because I remember when Wendy Williams had said that when she turned 40, you turn into this I don't give a fuck mood. Mm -hmm. And I could, I don't, 
even though I'm not 40 yet, I could definitely see that because you kind of hit him like that. That mid, like 50s is now the mid age people are looking mm-hmm. for but you like at 40 and it's like, like you ready to been through this, that, the third. It's just like, look. And I'm excited. Like mm-hmm. when I hear stuff like that, for me, it makes me excited to hit these ages and hit these pinnacle points and mm-hmm. things like that. But do you feel like, genuinely feel like from maybe the age 23 to let's say 35, you changed? Mm-hmm. Because even on one of my other guests, we talked about change, mm-hmm. and he was saying he feels like people don't change. And sometimes, just at 27, I feel like some people are who the hell they are. But I wonder, like, do you change? Like, you might change, like, obviously, looks or your style or whatever. But does your mentality change? Does your beliefs change? Truthfully. So, truthfully, from my perspective, Looking back at it, I would say no. I would say that I'm changing and I'm being a better person. The reality was, when I look back at it, I really wasn't. It was more talk, but really not that much action. It's like if I even attempted to do something, I didn't like push with it. I didn't keep consistent with it. So I feel like in between 23 and 30. I wasn't really focusing on a lot of things that I focus on now. I was just living. Like you, when you're in your twenties, you really don't think about life in the long run. Mm-hmm. You're living life on a day to day basis. You're not really focusing on. Okay, I have to do this. I have to do that. The only thing that I was focused on was because I had my son. So that was something that had to keep me on a, like a pattern or a room seat. Where it's like, all right, well now I gotta go back to college because I have my son and I want to make things better for him. I finished school, I worked, and then I just took care of my son. And that was just what life was. I didn't even really start traveling. And so I felt he was old enough for me to leave him comfortably without him having to worry. So I feel like in your 20s, 20 to 30, you're just living life. You don't have no cares, concerns. I tell my son all the time, like, you're just living life. Like, you're living life because he doesn't think about what he does today, how it will impact him later on. My mental was totally different. Even in my 30s, my mental was totally different. When I look back now, before I always used to say, even in my 30s, I'm like, nope, I'm growing. I'm trying to be a better person. And I really wasn't putting in the work that I started putting in my late 30s to early 40s. So 20, I don't say so much that it's not possible for a person to change, but I feel like at that at that time of your life, you're really not looking deeply into things to say, I need to change. Mm-hmm. You're looking at it like, what, what the fuck is wrong? Like, I don't, what am I doing that so wrong? How can I better myself? What areas do I need to better myself? When you don't acknowledge that there's something wrong, people fail to realize that how can we realistically change something if we don't feel like what we're doing is wrong? That, and I think that's one of the key things with a lot of people. Or like one of my biggest pet peeves that mm-hmm. people say is when they say, like, I'll be like, I don't like this. Well, you already know this is how I am. I've always been this way. Honestly, this trait that you have is not good quality and mm-hmm. you need to work on it. But it's I, like, I get it. Somebody told me change is hard. It is. Change is hard. It takes you out of your comfort zone. 
it's very hard and then we kind of hinder people when we allow them to keep doing the same things over and over again and that's why i want to ask like do you think people change because it's like i think he i think everyone has the opportunity to change i just think that we get so caught up in, in feeling like when we say that it's something that we don't like or if we're telling someone that they need to change we get so frustrated because they're not doing it when we want them to do it. Everybody has their own path because I used to be like that. I used to say like, oh, this person is just so nasty and they need to change this in order for this to happen. But it's just like, that's their path. We all have our path. And when they get there is when they get there. We arrive at our destinations at different times. I used to feel bad that it's just like I'm reaching certain areas at 40 and 41 mentally, but I also, I had to stop doing that and be thankful for me doing it because I'm not old. I'm still pretty young mm-hmm. and I still have enough time to change the quality about myself that I don't like. So do I wish that it happened at 20, 25 or 30? I used to, but those experiences that I went through during those times wouldn't have happened if I had reached this point then. So I'm thankful for every stage in my life. And I feel like when we love people enough, we have to accept them for who they are. And if anything, help them become a better person, not beat them down or make them feel like shit because we want them to be this person that we feel. And if you love them enough and you feel like there's no change, you can love them from a distance. You can hate them from a distance. Like, whatever your feeling is at that time, it's okay to let it go. But we have to we have to be okay with knowing that we're not all on the same path. I have, like, a core set of friends that they support my changes that I'm doing for myself, personally. Because they know that I'm going to be a better person overall as far as like a friend a daughter a mom sister like cousin whatever it is and they support it any change that i'm doing because they genuinely love me and they're not focused so much on the flaws and the negatives they're more focused on seeing the positive change and seeing the direction that i'm going in that they focus more on that than anything else so you have to be around people that are going to support that and if you feel like you're around people that aren't on the same path as you and you feel like this may be the ending of your relationship it's okay to let it go you know we're we're not taught to let people go off of our life journey because of the timing we're always taught and it's always embedded in us that because you've known this person for so long they're supposed to be with you forever that's, That's not the case. It's okay to let them go. It's going to be a hurtful thing. Somebody that you've known for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, 25 years, that you've built so many memories. It wasn't always a negative experience. But when you come to the realization that that ending of the road has come, it can hurt. It's like a divorce. It's a, it's a divorce. You should have like a divorce party for anything. So let's say now, now we can go even more back. Mm-hmm. Let's say from eighteen. Do you feel like your your friend circle and family's well, not your family is always there, but you don't mm-hmm. kind of hang with them. 
Mm-hmm. Has it changed greatly from when you was four years? Yeah. There are people that you you really hung with for ten years and stopped hanging with them, and it was and you did it. Mm-hmm. That's excellent. I'm happy to hear that. Uh, no, because I think a lot of people really struggle with that, and we do. I struggled with it for a long time, and when you because you're struggling with it, you put your blinders on, you make mm-hmm. excuses for what they do, you accept the bullshit because it's, you make all these different excuses right. because it's, you're always keeping in the forefront. That's been my friend for twelve years. That's been my friend for fifteen years. Without putting yourself first, that's why. How does that person really make you feel? Mm-hmm. When you push everything to the side, like, are they coming for you? Are they being subliminal? Like, are they throwing little shots at you? Are they supporting your goal? Are they sending you messages of love and support? Do they send you things to hold you accountable for the goal that you're trying to do? Like, when you sit down and you start looking at those things, that's when you start to realize and becoming okay. Now, I might hit everybody at a different level. That then really start hitting me until my late 30s. But even when it was hitting me, I still pushed it back because I was putting everybody else before me. I'm not happy you answer that. It's just starting to hit me at your late 30s. Yeah. Other big question. Mm-hmm. What's the difference between hope, accountability and somebody being a hater? Because you know how like somebody could really be telling you like, honestly, you've been trying to do this thing and it's not working, sis. You need to focus on this, but you really feel like you believe in whatever it is that you're doing. So let's say, for instance, we're doing a podcast, and mm-hmm. we really, really believe in this podcast. We know one day it's going to pop. Mm-hmm. But your friend is like, honestly, you need to get a job that pay you a little more money and just slow down with this podcast thing. When do you know it's like they're trying to hold you accountable for what, you, what, what you're doing? And I'll, I'll, what's your opinion? When it's accountability versus being throwing like slight shade. shade right like when, um, when do you know what's your opinion when you think you know because i feel like a lot of us struggle with that like i struggle with that sometimes but i feel like maybe somebody might be trying to throw a shot at me are they really trying to hold me accountable mm-hmm. i'm not 100 sure like are you supporting me or are you trying to blame me like what's so up what is it that's when I had my blinders on the certain things that were said <laughs> okay. because I was just like, oh, I'm like, they were just voicing their mm-hmm. opinion. But when you take the blinders off and you start rehashing things, it was just like, bitch, you would be ashamed. You would be like, you were like, you were throwing slight shade. One example. So a cousin and I went to the Beyonce concert. It's so sad that I said it's a Beyonce concert because it was so the Jay Z and Beyonce concert, but it you know it's the Beyonce concert. Jay Z's like a guest performer, but um, it rained horribly, so the show was postponed a little bit to where they thought they were gonna cancel it, but it ended up going on. And I had like my other friends like, girl, how was it? Tell me what it was. You were supposed to send pictures, like blah blah. blah. And I had one friend that was like, so how was it? And when I said like, no, it was dope. We had a good time. Like the performances was good. It started raining. She was like, that's why I don't know those things. And I was like, oh, you know what? In my mind, I'm just like, yeah, that's not her thing. But then with more and more examples, I was just like, this girl was just hating the entire time. Like you were going like real short subliminals. Like I was working out at one point really hard and it was just like i don't have time for that like you go ahead that's cute like that and i was just like but 
but again, it's a friend for so long, you push it back. Yeah. Not realizing that those comments were really underhand shade. And it's, when you look at it, you're like, how can I even sit here and say that that's a friend? But then you also got to look at your circle. When you're in a circle where, because listen, first of all, let's just be clear. I'm hella petty. I, <laughs> I am petty. I am sarcastic as fuck. I could be shady. But when I started realizing I didn't want to be the queen of petty all the time, you know, I started saying, pulling back from that. <clears throat> when you're in a circle that's always petty, like they 24-hour petty, they 24-hour miserable, they 24-hour not supportive, you got to start looking at that and saying, like, nah, I don't want that. And that's what I started saying for myself, like, I don't want that. And being around people like that stopped me from being vulnerable with how I felt. Like, I didn't really tell them how I felt. And if I did, it's like I worded it in a way that wasn't really expressing my true feelings. And that was a hindrance to me because I'm suppressing my feelings. So being that I'm suppressing my feelings with that and overall just not being vulnerable, I was raised a little tough. Like, emotions and stuff was something that was always like second or third hand. It wasn't something on the forefront. So years and years and years and years of suppressing your true feelings about how you feel things, it kind of sets you off in a type of whole bunch of different directions and feelings that you have suppressed so long they start to take over. You ever seen like Ghostbusters? Right. We gonna go back to the old Ghostbusters, like the original ones, and when that goo was just surrounding like the Empire State Building or whatever, when shit started getting real with me, that's how I felt. Like, all the emotions that I have bottled up for 40 years were now just taking over me. I was crying forever, like a week straight. And that's when I started around the time. This was turning from as I was approaching 41. You started all So I was diagnosed with severe anxiety and severe depression because, like, uh, aunt of mine, which was a very close aunt of mine, had passed away. And dealing with that, it was just like, okay, well, you know, she passed away. But it kind of opened that door that I had locked with all the emotions. Because it's like, no, well, man, she was safe away. You try, I pushed it back. Mm-hmm. And that kind of just kicked the door open. And everything just started hitting me. And it was so hard for me to navigate through. Like, I was, my doctor sent me to a therapist, like, right away. Mm. She had, like, a social worker come and just briefly talk to me. The day I went to her, like, my mom called my doctor and was just like, I need you to see her before her physical. You know, we're also going out of the country for a little bit. But she's just been going through a lot when you see her. And when I was there, like, my doctor's never seen an emotional side of me at all. And I was crying when she came in the office. And I'm thankful for that experience because even though I was on the road to self-awareness and growing, it reinforced what I was already trying to do it and let me know. It was like a reminder, like, girl, this is the path that you need to be on going forward. You can't back that anymore. <clears throat> and one of my really close friends said something like, I tell people all the time, and every time she hears me say it, she's like, Oh my God, I stop saying that. But she said something that really hit me. And she was like, you're always there for all your friends. 
no matter what it is that you're going through, like you're always there, but who is there for you? Mm. And I was just like, I'm like, none of you bitches, because when you think about it, like, you're not there, but then I'm the strong friend. It is I'm like that. Friend, so they always think mm-hmm. like, girl, you got it. They That's don't the think problem. to say, how are you? Do you need anything? What's going on with you? I have, I can say a handful of friends that just randomly text me like, good morning, boo, you know, I'm just checking in on you, haven't heard from you, is everything okay? Like, messages like that mean more than just the regular sending articles and just random shit. Those messages where somebody's actually caring for you is so much better. And there's a, there's an Instagram page that I follow. I would like to say that it's Black Girl Therapy or Therapy for Black Girls. Is that the, um, the podcast? She has a podcast too. I've heard about it. So she posts like a lot of things that make you really self check or also reevaluate everyone around you. And there was one that made me realize like, I really have to trim the people that are around me. There was one based off of apologies, and I remember having an argument with a friend, and the response was, "I'm sorry, that's I'm sorry, that's how you feel." Oh, and that's the words. It was, "I'm sorry, hon. I'm sorry, that's how it made you feel. I'm sorry if you took it that way, and I'm sorry I can't love you how your other friends love you." And it was those three responses that said to me that this person just isn't for me and I have to disconnect my like that person just is clipped to me it's like everyone's around me like they say her name and I'm like who because for me it was just like she don't even exist because I realized that I've given so many passes and you contributed to some of the feelings that I've stored I don't want to be around people who make me feel that way so like when you were talking before this, when you were like, be you, this, this, and I was like, oh, thank you, because I'm no longer being in the box to accommodate other people and how they feel I should be. Right. I'm going to be who the fuck I am, and if that don't fit you, then that just don't fit you, and it's okay. Like I got stuck in, a, in my 20s, and in my 30s, I was stuck in a place of trying to be someone else for everyone else to make them more comfortable. But who was adjusting themselves to make me comfortable? So a lot of things earlier, and you're cutting it off earlier. Like you're not caring. And I yeah, we have to encourage weird. you guys to be non-caring. Because in a sense, it's not that you don't care, you're expressing yourself. Like you're letting it be known how a person or a thing, it could be work, it could be whatever. You guys feel so much more comfortable we're just saying it now. And I wonder why. It's the weirdest thing. Like, I don't even know where that, that came from, but I also do enjoy it. It has its pros, and it definitely has its cons. And if you start, like, when you say cons, the cons is like, I feel like it's the same as being like, in a way, short, temporary. Like, you got mm-hmm. a short patience. And it's good and it's bad. Like, just imagine, like, you know how they say that, like, millennials, like, we, we love job hopping. Because mm-hmm. our patience is freaking short. Like, are we not interested in that that little nasty boss, right. that nasty co-worker? Like, nobody's interested in that. So we just ready to just be like, go. 
But I think Amelie. that's a good thing. Okay. I view it as a good thing because you're not being stuck in places that you guys don't want to be in. And you know what, too? That's when you were saying that when you hit 40, mm-hmm. and I think everybody should take that part key that everything hit her at once. So just imagine all the things from, let's say, 18 to 39. You mm-hmm. bottled up. Every yeah. freaking thing. Everything Absolutely. that happened in your life mm-hmm. that you wish that you would have did something differently, you would have yep. said something differently. At 40, it's going to hit you. So if you listen to this podcast today, in these next years, you better figure it out. Yeah. Somebody says something you don't like, please just bring it up. If you friends with somebody that you feel like you shouldn't be friends with, please just leave them alone. And yeah. You, or like she said, set some people back. Like, I do feel like sometimes people in our lives that they're imperfect, but they have somewhat good qualities. Like, it, it's real hard to weigh out. It's hard. It's a struggle. It's not even hard. It's definitely a struggle to weigh them out. But for me, if the positives of that friendship outweigh those little flaws, I stick with it because at the end of the day, I'm all about being genuine as well. And what I would say that if I could do differently in my 20s and 30s now is set, I wish I would have set boundaries in my relationships. Even with my family or with my significant others and with my friends. You know, we don't do that. Like, there is no guidebook on how to be a good friend, a good significant other, a good child. It's something that you learn. Like, life is full of learning lessons. And when you say set boundaries, like, like what you know, like, what you want to do. Yeah. You wish you would have did that, like, off the rip? Yeah. <laughs> I think this is good stuff. That's I mean, I'm just not doing that. You know, <laughs> and we struggle as human beings. We struggle with setting boundaries because it's hard. Like if you yeah. want a person in your life, you don't want to scare them off. I right. But like on one of my previous shows, we talked about when you're dating. In those first two, one or two dates, and you're just like, so what is it that you're looking for? Because this is what I'm looking for. A lot of women. Don't lay all of that out in the beginning because they're scared that they're gonna run that person off. But if that person is genuinely interested in getting to know you, those questions should never scare them. That's a fact. It should always be like, okay, well, you know, first of all, it should be looked at like, oh, she has a mind. She's very vocal on it. She doesn't shy away from certain conversations. Those are flags. Like, if a person is making you feel bad for asking those questions off the rip, that's one of those people that you gonna have to swipe, right? Or left. Like, just <laughs> like, okay, no, thank you. But boundaries are important. I wish I would've done that. I wish I would've communicated more with my significant others. You know, a lot of times, we tend to communicate with everybody when we are angry. That's, That's the first, first time. time. Yes. Because everybody is seeing things out of their feelings at that moment. A lot of things that can't be taken back, a lot of things that change things, the dynamics of relationships. I'm bigger on not speaking when I'm heated. Leave me alone. And we can always have a conversation after the fact, but having it right now, you're gonna your words are gonna like keep pushing and pushing me to when I just start bringing the guns out and then I now says shit and I'm like, fuck, should I even said that? Like that shit was so fucked up. There's been times 
when I had a replay conversation for my life, I'm like, girl, like, who raised you? Like, why did you talk like that? But I wish communication was a little bit more on the top of my priority list as well as establishing boundaries, like for myself and even with that other person with me. I felt things would be so much not better, but it kind of sets the tone for your relationships if those things were done. So I feel like you guys kind of do that, and then maybe you don't, but if you guys aren't, that's something to like look into. Making sure that you guys are able to comfortably communicate with each other. Like I have a friend that I can talk to her about anything, right. but if it's pertaining to her, I kind of give her like a warning, like listen, girl, I have something to tell you. Don't take it any way. Like I just want to hear, hear me out first, and then we can have a conversation about it. As to where before, if I felt any kind of way about anything she said or did, I wouldn't say anything. Mm. I would just push it behind me and just eventually, while I thought it would just disappear, it wasn't disappearing. It was just being, you know, squished in that jar. Right. And then I feel like you probably could potentially have saved the friendship or relationship yeah. had you set boundaries or had you said something mm-hmm. off the rip. But now that you let this person, well, and like you said, that's sometimes that's what people are. Had you, mm-hmm. let, you let this person just go on a whole freaking rampage mm-hmm. for years and now you're like, oh, I hate this person. So you kind of, in some ways, could have saved certain relationships. And yes. then you said that you're a parent. Do you feel like it kind of helped mold and shape you and prepare you for your 30s and 40s, do you feel like it helped you? Like, well, it helped, but you kind of, what, what has parenting done for you in, in your growth? So in my growth, it just helped me. I focused a lot on my son and just trying to be the best parent for him. But what I did notice is that I was focusing too much on trying to be both parents. Because after a while, his father and I did separate. His father was around, but not around as much as I felt he should have been. So I'm trying to work. I'm trying to give him so much of like everything to make sure that he doesn't feel any kind of way that that also was taken away from me. That is draining. Being a parent is a business. Like you're going 24 hours as they get older. It does become a little bit easier, but then you hit with teens. When that team them hits, it's a totally different ball game. And what's that? Girl, there's been times I want to sell my son, put him out. I put him out a couple of times. I wanted to take him back to the hospital, like he's giving me the wrong kid. Like it's a phase that is just like But like when they hit those teen years, they just like You don't like your kid no more. Bad as hell, thinking they grow. They think they're growing. They, today's kid is worse because I feel like every new generation gets worse and worse. I have a niece that she's only five. Mm. She FaceTimes me and she's just like, so auntie, let me tell you how mommy was doing this. And I was just like, oh God. And I'm texting all the time. Like, your child has been here before. Like, there's something wrong with her. And she's one of those that you look at with the side eye like, I don't know, but when the teens hit, it's a totally different crop. Like, these kids make you crop because it's just like, what the fuck? So you feel like, the so it's like infant, then it's like toddler, then it's like teen, then it's like adult. Yeah. Which one do you think you would be? Yeah, I feel like 
The teens was the hardest. Ooh, I love that. I think that's, I have a lot of friends that's like parents, like, like I know so many parents. Mm-hmm. So that was the other thing too, like why I was excited that she was a parent because I feel like I said the podcast was for everybody and then I was kind of like excluding parents. And no, like, girl, these podcasts so be for everybody. No, so I want everybody. So that's something they, they hear because like I know like, they already just started becoming a parent and like, Oh my god, I always gotta be up. And it's like, oh, did you hear about the teenage years though? They, they, they need to enjoy the infant and toddler phase mm-hmm. as much as possible because when those hormones hit, it becomes a different child. Mm-hmm. You don't know who your kid is. Like, my son is what I call a true Gemini. Because, Lord, like one day he'll be this person, and the next day I'll text my mom, like, oh God, that twin is here. And I don't even know. She's like, y'all keep the distance. Because she knows, like, him and I will argue more when that other side is out than when his normal self is there. Mm-hmm. So I feel like because he's, like, at that ending of Maine going into June, like, he is the true definition of Gemini's. But we struggled the most during this team, bro. And it makes you, as a parent, question, like, what the fuck did I do? Like, where did I mess up? Let me try and go back. Like, you start going back in your memories, like, I do this, like, but I did nothing. It's just like, you question yourself more. So I would always tell people, enjoy that infancy and toddler phase, because they love you so much. And your kids will always love you, like my son, so I hear him talk about me and his friends all the time. I know that my son loves me, but I know that there was a time that he didn't like me neither. And I was just like, I don't care if you don't like me. Like, I am not here for you to like me. I'm not here to be friends. You know, later on in time, our conversations will be different because my conversations with my mom now are different. We are very close. So anyone who knows me, like, they know that my mom and I are close. I feel so much more free in saying exactly how I feel to her than I ever had in my life, ever. Like I've never been able to talk to my mom so openly. And with these experiences that I've gone through in my life, it's opening her open up more as well too. Like to hear my mom talking so freely and the changes that she's making in her life and knowing that it came from, it it was a dark time for me, Mm -hmm. but to see the great things that have come out of it. I love that. So that's why I feel like everybody's journey is different. It may hit people at an earlier time or it may hit people at a later time. But we also have to know that it just may not hit people mm. at all. And it's okay because that's their life. But for you, you gotta ask yourself, are you okay with, with that idea? Mm-hmm. And then also as a parent, now that your son is 21, do you feel like you still find yourself just like trying to be the perfect parent? Like I feel like every parent, like they try like, oh, I'm trying to be perfect parent. I'm trying to like, like, like you said when you said that it was certain times you was like, yo, where did I go wrong? <laughs> I did everything I can for you and you're bugging out right now. Yeah, like do you feel like after a certain age they hit you just like, you know what, I did what I can. And not in a bad way, because even like, even now that I'm older, mm-hmm. I have just going through like all things that I went through. I'm like, our parents have to go through something. Yeah, we don't know what the hell happened back then. Right. I don't know what they went through. 
So obviously, it's in some ways we don't want it to, but it's mm-hmm. gonna reflect on your parents and stuff. It's it gonna does. reflect certain things. It's just gonna reflect on what you do, mm-hmm. how you react to things, and then us as a kid, because we grown up with you, mm-hmm. we kind of like, watch well, you acting like that. Yeah, but it's like that's all you know. So like, there's a different set of worries that hit when your baby now enters the adult life. You worry a bit more. Like right now, my son is still living with me. But he also he always talks about moving out when he wants the house. He wants to do this, and that worries me in a sense because when he's gone, I don't know shit now. Now I don't know nothing. So I'm just like, I'm not gonna have that type of communicative relationship with him that I have with my mom. Like my mom and I text every day. I live in the same house with my child, and if I'm not home, I don't know nothing. Like days can go by, I sometimes don't even see him. So. I worry about that because we're in a climate now where, unfortunately, we do have to worry about our black boys more. My son is a walking target every day. Mm-hmm. He's a black male. He's a young black male. He's not viewed in a good way at all. He's automatically looked at in a negative. So that worry, whenever he's out the house, it's just like you're always thinking, you're always thinking. You have to. Train your mind to say, like, you know what, I've done the best that I can as far as a parent. He knows right from wrong. My son says all the time, one thing that my son told me in his late teens is that you don't need to wonder if you didn't do right as far as being a mom. It's not true, it's me. And I was just like, who's kidding? <laughs> like, it made me, because I was just like, well. But my son expresses himself a little bit more than I have ever so it's just like hearing him say that like coming from him it kind of calmed me in a sense like okay well i did a good job but there's so many there's a different set of fears and i feel with every generation there's always going to be a different set of fears like i grew up in a generation where there were no cell phones so like if your kid was outside they were just outside you didn't know where they were you didn't have anywhere to find my kid or find my friend like we have pay phones and we had to call our parents if we weren't in the house by the time the street lights came on. So it was a different time. Now we have so much access to everything. It's just like if, I, if I'm calling him and if he doesn't answer, I'm just like, okay. Like I have to keep myself busy. But it's always a fear. It's just so much that are against our kids that you worry. It's not so much about them. Like he used to tell me all the time, mom. You don't have to worry about me when I'm out here in these streets. And I said, the thing is, is that I don't worry about you. I worry about the people around you. I don't trust the world. Okay. I'm okay with you. I know so you ain't going to do nothing. Right. I'm, it's uh, when you step outside this door, is all of those different factors that are out there. So you do worry. You tend to worry a little bit less. There's times when he's out, I knock out. But before, I used to like cannot sleep if my son was not in the house. Like, I would doze in and out of sleep. And when he would come home, then I would fall into these sleep. Girl, sometimes I wouldn't get like a comfortable sleep to like maybe two, three hours before I actually had to get up in the morning. Oh my God, I feel yes. so bad. Some so of my parents had to. Yes, <laughs> now I used to be like, oh my God. I'll be like, wow. like this. And she had no phone. She, like, there was no way she could call me. So I was just like, 
oh my god and i text her sometimes like i'm sorry like if i ever made you wish you like you see what I'm going But you know what is different too because my family was mostly females. Like we have now five boys out of maybe eight girls. Like there's so many of us. So we grew up as just a family with females. So like when the boys actually started coming in, it's just like that's a different breed. None of us knew how to deal with boys. It was just like, oh, they're like rough. They're nasty, they're just so much more lazier than females too. Okay. But I feel like they're lazy too because I come from a West Indian background. So West Indian moms, not me and my mother different, but my, my grandmother, my great grandmother, my aunts and my great aunts, they tend to cater more to the males. So it's always taking care of Males were making things easier for them before the females. Like, we, I didn't live with my grandma. If I was at my grandma's house, we all got up at six o'clock on Saturday to clean the house, and I was just like, I don't Yeah, you can do that back in the day. I don't live like, I have my own house. It's just like, I'm cleaning men and I'm cleaning that room. But we had to do more than what the boys did. That's true. So, like, I'm a little bit hard on one myself. My son was washing clothes at 10. Like, coming with me to the laundry, learning how to separate. He knows how to cook. I don't cook for him. I stopped cooking for him for a while. He complains about that all the time. And I'm just like, bro, at this stage in your life, take care of yourself. Like, we eat totally different. So you need to cook for yourself. I'm not rushing home. Like, those days of me coming home straight after work and cooking all that other stuff, that stopped a long time ago. So you should be accustomed to it. And if you're hungry, you know what? Or go outside and get something to eat. Like, you can take care of yourself. But they're different. They're different. So you need to enjoy your babies. When they're babies, hug them, kiss them, appreciate, be grateful. Do a gratitude journal through this whole time and write what you're thankful for at that phase because it goes by so quickly. And then when those hormones kick in, it's a totally different ballgame. Yeah. So you said your kid gave you some stresses. But like for me, I was thinking too, like when I look at like older people, I feel Mm -hmm. like they kind of, they might be stressed, but they don't wear it on their, mm-hmm. like, it doesn't, it doesn't show. Like, do you feel like you actually flow with stress? Or is it just that you know how to, you, do you feel like you, you know how to deal with stress better when you were, like, 20s versus now? I feel like I would be so stressed out, and I would never let anybody see me be stressed. I wouldn't communicate that I'm stressed. I would just deal with it on my own. But every day, no one would ever know any of the stresses that I went through because I made it work. My son taught me that. Like I was already kind of raised to be very independent, but having him just reinforced it. And I always felt like, listen, I don't have the time to sit here and let stress take over me because I got to I gotta do this. I got to go to work. I got to make sure my son is good. I got to make sure his homework is done. It kept me pushing, but it damages you later on when you move like that. So if you're stressed, so you kind of just, you basically saying, I said, I'm not going to let stress consume me right now because I got to deal with There's so many other things that others, my dad, work, blah, 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 blah. So that's kind of how you cope with it, but it's still impacts you later on. Yeah. So you kind of. So now I deal with it like more. If I'm feeling stressful, I 
I sit in that stress. Like, if I'm stressed at work, for example, I'll take, like, I'll sit back. Like, I'll stop what I'm doing, and I'll sit, and I'll just say, okay, just breathe. I go through the moments, and then I just say, okay, and I push it through. Sometimes when you're always pushing through something, pushing through something, it doesn't work all the time. So now I deal with stress way more. And then I learned a lot of tools when I was going to therapy as far as like stress relievers and things like that. I never knew that stuff before. In your 20s and 30s, now, in today's day and age, there's so many different things. things. Mental health. And yeah. Like, yeah, mental health is like this big thing now. It's mm-hmm. like your joke. So. so you so, have those tools available to you now. As to where we didn't have that, it was just always like you push through it, you push through it, you push through it, you push through it. Now I deal with stress way better. Like, if I gotta stay in the house all day by myself, throw clothes, chilling with Netflix or whatever, that's what I would do to get through the moment. That was me yesterday. I don't know what the fuck was wrong. Like, I just felt so. I hate the world. Like, I have my blinds closed and I watch Netflix and all day and I woke up today like <laughs> like it was a totally different thing you need that sometimes you yeah, need you to just sit and, and take a break yeah mm-hmm. and then uh, that's when I to describe describe your 30s in three words like what 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 is it you would say three words is a little hard probably right is it three words so they know what it is and what time it was about to happen I feel like first of all you gave so much insight like, I already grabbed my, you guys make sure, one thing that I would say is, like, try and take something away from this, because it will help. Like, I'm not here to toot my own horn at all, but I wish that I had somebody who, when I was in my 20s, and they were, like, in their 40s, kind of sit, not so much sit me down, but just gave their experiences and what they went through as a way to kind of say, no, listen, if you could do this early, if you can switch this now, do it. Don't wait until you know, later on. You know, I tell my son all the time, because he's just like, oh, you come from this. And I'm like, we're only literally 20 years apart. Like, we listen to the same music. We're, we're really not that different. I'm telling you these things because I went through it, and I don't want you to go through it. But it's your path. So at the end of the day, I can only give you words of advice and just pray that you take something from it when you're going on your course. But for my 30s, like, I enjoyed life in my 30s. But I would say my 30s were a mixture of happiness, anger. Love that. just having a good time because I like, you know, being out. Like, <laughs> at my 30s, I was ready to be out all the time. But, my, yeah, so I would say, like, happy, angry, and just maybe not so much being a Tatiana in the sense that I was out there plotting, bobbing, but just enjoying. I think I love that because yeah. I feel like I'm so happy you use those three words as a description because mm-hmm. I feel like with 30, and everybody is trying to put this this big cap on 30. And not only that, you have a, a, had a son, and you kind of still was like, you obviously, you you was there, you said you had to play both parent roles. Mm-hmm. 
So you play both parents. Most single dads. A lot of people are surprised at the amount of single dads that are out there, and I don't think they get the credit that they deserve. Yeah, they really don't. No, this year for Father's Day, I picked that Father's Day was way different. Yeah, it was. Like the amount of work on this shit. Like I was even like, dang, they go kind of hard. Like I was like, I was being like, they they go hard for these little because we forget like, but. They are just as dedicated as the little moms are. Yeah. Right? So, and that's another thing. Don't ever let anyone shame you into having kids so young and making you feel like you're in your early 20s. You shouldn't have you a hear kid. It first. Because let me tell y'all something. The energy level is different in your 20s and in your 40s. I don't know what I would do with a crying three-year-old at 41. I probably would be crying right into this baby. Mm-hmm. Like, there's so much energy that is needed, and I'm so thankful that I had my son at 21 because I was able to keep up with him. I don't know if I'll be able to keep up with a child in my 40s and 50s the same. You know, you have to do it, so you're going to push through, but you can retire. I'm tired now, and I don't have any babies. Like... I can go to sleep at 9 o'clock sometimes and feel good, but I also set like a strict routine. So I get up at like 5 in the morning and I do my shit before I start getting ready for work. And then I start my day. But eight hours, I have to get seven to eight hours of sleep in my 40s compared to why you said at 20, let's say 24, 25 with a kid and working full time. Going out on a Saturday or going out on a Sunday, I was up at six o'clock with no problem. Wow. Full of energy. Getting him Shout ready out to go to the Like your twenties are different. You're full of energy. Yeah. Like that makes sense. Girl, I see people struggling with struggles. <laughs> so don't don't let anybody make you feel bad for your life choices. We're not gonna always agree with everybody's life choices, mm-hmm. but it's their life. We're all created to have our own journey. Like, no one is ever going to agree. But continue to stand up for yourself. That's one thing that I would say. You millennials don't play. Like, somebody comes for y'all. It's a movement. It's hashtags. It's everything. So continue to use your voice. Continue to stand up for, if it's one thing, yourself. Don't allow anybody to push you in a box. Don't allow anybody to downplay how you feel to make them comfortable. Shine in your own right, not give a fuck. Like that's my biggest thing. Stop giving a fuck. Like I have a fuck bank account, and I feel like it's gotten small. But <laughs> I give a certain amount to get rid Yes, I, and you know what I'll do? I'll send you the title of the book that I have. But it was a book, and it was just like you know what? This bitch is right. Like why do we give so much fucks to the things that no one, not even ourselves, care about? You need to apply those thoughts in the right places. And that should be solely on you. It's okay to be expressive and let people know how you feel. I always feel like as long as it's done in a respectful way, no one can feel any kind of way. And I feel like when your family or your friends are able to come to you and let you know about yourself, when they check in you, they care about you. But again, it has to be done respectfully. Because if it's being done in a disrespectful way, for me personally, I'm not hearing it. Like, everything that you said went in one ear and came out the other. Because all I'm focusing on is how you feel. So we can communicate as long as it's respectful. And if ain't nobody checking in, 
um, or how you were moving, they don't care about you. At all. And that's what it is. She's a, so I think one of the key, for me, like the key takeaways, mm-hmm. boundaries. Yes. And I know this is a lot of stuff that Dina said, we, we really preach, we practice, we don't, we preach it, but we don't practice yes. it. But I feel like it's important because she is 41, she has a child, she's telling y'all what it is. Mm-hmm. And I think that it was boundaries that you said. Yes. Um, just being yourself and having that don't give a fuck to be the one mm-hmm. constantly. And if it's and your your last words is like keep speaking up for yourself. Yes. I think those those are one of the key things that really gives you anxiety and stress. And so, so yes, Dina came through and just the camera stopped, but y'all gotta listen to the podcast. <laughs> You gotta, you gotta listen. Yes, make sure well, you guys tune in. This was a great experience, honestly. Like, Renee, you made me feel so comfortable. <laughs> because sometimes I get really nervous because you don't wanna overstep your boundaries and attention. You, of course, you don't wanna dominate anybody's show. But the vibe was just so good. Like, I wouldn't mind doing this over and over and over again, girl. <laughs> but yes, definitely go check out Not For Everybody podcast. Yeah. I love it. I listen to, before I invite anybody over, well, I'll listen to the podcast because I, I just want to know, like, personality, mm-hmm. energy. So definitely go listen to that. Follow her on Instagram. Follow her on Twitter. Yes. Do everything. Make sure you guys tune in because, listen, I listen to podcasts too, so I know how it goes. And I know sometimes... We go up and we go down, so make sure y'all check Brittany out. Mm-hmm. You don't have to listen to every episode, because you know what? <laughs> life is life. Let's just say that. Sometimes right. we get so bombarded with things, but podcasting has also helped a lot. And there are a lot of gems that are dropped. You'll be surprised by the things that you get from podcasting. Yo. And for us, I feel like it's also a free form that allows us to get a lot of things out. So definitely check them out. Listen to Remy. Make sure you have support. Support is number one. Support is key. Yes. We're just here trying to do something. And I feel like this community can get so much bigger. It is growing drastically. But I feel like everyone comes together. It can grow so much further than what we're seeing yet. So who's to say where Brittany will be (laughs) in the next couple of months. It could be in a month, it could be in six months, it could be in a year, but I would just definitely say stay focused. Don't get distracted even if you feel like you need to take a break, take a break. I took mm-hmm. a month off from podcasting because you know shit just gets busy. It does. Don't feel like you have to just stick to you. No problem. Thank you. Thank you for my podcast. I'm very, very, very grateful. Every time I get something, I'm like, thank you. Thank you so much. I Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. 
Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.